Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my private podcast, Braden's Besties. Did you know that I created a second podcast? It is exclusive only to members of the Braden's Besties Facebook group. If you have not already joined, go to www.bradensbesties.com where you can get signed up. Once you join the Facebook group, you will get access to a private podcast where I answer your questions from our Facebook group every single Monday. Episodes are five to 10 minutes long, super bite-sized, so you can dive in, get answers to the biggest questions you may have, and that's it, pretty straightforward. So go join the group, bradensbesties.com, and I will see you both here and over there on the Braden's Besties podcast. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and today I am joined by a good friend, Amber Anderson, owner of Refine for Wedding Planners, resident of Austin, Texas, wedding planner extraordinaire, all of the things. Amber, how are you doing? Well, hello. Hi, friends. Good to chat with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. You know, I always love to do a podcast. What we're doing today, everyone, all of you that have tuned in is we're going to be talking about business acquisition. We're going to be talking about trademarks. Originally, we were just going to be talking about trademarks, but I have a lot of different interesting angles and topics that I think Amber will be a good guest to chat about. So we're going to kind of go through them all. Um, why this is important, why you should stick around and listen in is because A, I think it's very important that we all run our business with a long-term perspective of, do I want to run this thing until I'm ready to retire? Do I want to potentially sell it one day? So even if you don't think you ever want to sell a business, I think it's important that we build a business that's systemized to the point to where it is sellable in the future, either way, just good for business. Maybe someday you want to buy a business. Um, Amber, I don't really know why, but I feel like just in the past week, I've talked to at least three different people who told me their long-term dream is to buy a wedding venue. To me, that sounds really stressful and expensive, but if that's your dream, this will be a really good conversation for you as well. And then getting into trademarks. So Amber, tell us a little bit about your background. I know that you started as a wedding planner. When did that journey begin for you? Uh, it began by complete accident. I, through the the last Great Recession and the, you know, 2008 timeframe, give or take, I was working uh, as a personal trainer and no one was hiring trainers because no one had extra money. So I got the nearest desk job at Deloitte and Touche and I had no business working in an accounting firm. Like that was, that's not me. But I uh, eventually worked my way into the event side, was doing corporate events in Dallas. And then then my husband came to Austin, transferred with Deloitte, was not loving it. Long story short, I ended up having a opportunity with a venue here through one of my husband's lifelong friends. They opened a venue, wanted some help consulting, and he eventually encouraged me to start my own brand as far as uh, wedding planning goes. Uh, we had just gotten married and I had kind of learned the social side of the ropes on events, getting to vendors. And so I did, I switched to social and did that for 10 years. 
And then I sold my planning company in January of 2020, actually. So like right before everything hit the fan. Oh, wow. um, yeah, the timing was kind of bizarre. And so I, you know, did everything I could to be available and stay on and transition well and consult through probably one of the harder years of that business, but that business is doing well. Um, and so I'm really proud of how it was set up and handed off. And I'm proud of Cassidy for keeping it afloat the way she has um, and now like rebounding the way it has. And so that's been really interesting to watch. And my plan had been to stay on and take more weddings. But as an educator, it's important to me to stay relevant, right? So I want to be involved with weddings. Well, because I have refined income, I pulled off of taking leave because it was more important for me that the staff, you know, have money to pay their bills so they get leaves um this fall i hope to start assisting again now that they feel like they've rebounded and and all of that but um so let's talk a little bit more about that company that you the the company that you sold so what was your company name heavenly day events okay so I'm, i'm just curious do you think it was easier to sell the company because it didn't have your name in the company title because i think that's an like an issue a lot of people think that they could have yeah yeah no I do think it was easier but for two reasons one because I had always done everything possible I knew that was my end goal um and so I had done everything possible to remove like me myself and I being the value of the company right so regardless even if it had been called Amber Anderson events I would have done everything possible the same way I did to make sure that my staff and my team are always in front of my referral system so all of my vendor partners every like the the venues all of that they were always front and center uh everyone knows everybody on my team like we're um we're all really involved in networking and all of that so that transition i the person that bought it was a lead planner um you know so like kind of groomed that situation brought her into ownership and so they all knew her and and honestly the name was kind of still it, it it's nuanced because um you know, the name was fun at the time because when I named it, because in Austin, there's a singer songwriter that's very famous uh, and she has a song named Heavenly Day. And it's about just the euphoric idea of like a perfect day. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually a song she wrote about her dog and like <laughs> laying in the park with her dog. But it's just like, we had it played at our wedding. It's a really special song for Austinites. And, but as you know, I'm reaching 40. So like, that's an old song now. People getting married now have no idea what that song is. And the name are like heaven, heavenly, I don't know, cultural implications now make this feel like maybe you're going to be not who I want to work with. And so we've had to like navigate that too, but it's also such a strong name in our, in our market and in our region, like it's reputable. People will know it. And so we've continued to not change the name despite lots of consulting in on that. Did you ever trademark that name? I never trademarked that name. No. Okay. Um, I might have some more questions on that. We'll circle back. All right. So you sold the company last year in January. When it came to the sale of that business, how did you, so you decided you wanted to sell the business. How did this conversation start with, like, did you put it out on the market? Did you like publicize it? Or did you like go to one specific person that you thought would be interested in it and start that? Yeah. So if if you're familiar with me, you're probably familiar with Haley. Uh, Haley's worked with me for ages. And, uh, you know, 
they all, I was really open with my team that like this is where I want to go with it if any of y'all ever interested like I don't know what my time is going to be but just open lines of the communication here if you're ever ready raise your hand if I'm ready I'm going to raise my hand and we'll just see who's ready at the same time what works out um I had initially thought that Haley would be the person to take that over she was interested I was interested we were screaming her for that and then the timing just didn't make sense for us on that which ultimately in hindsight has worked out really well in the way that like long story short she's working with her fine all this stuff so like um I think everything worked out the way it needed to work out in that regard Kathy also on the team when the timing was right for me uh the timing ended up being right for her and it just made sense and so we actually did a self-finance deal and I'm happy to answer questions around what I can some of I, I can be more open about my buying for fine because uh, the time lapses we've had some time lapse but um, because we're still in a self-finance you know, agreement, some of that is still private and confidential, but. um, So yeah, yeah. I'm not going to ask you how much you sold your previous company for. We'll get into those details with Refine. But what I am curious about is just when it came to coming up with a number, what kind of information did you look at? Like, did you hire anyone to do a business valuation or did you just come up with a number on your own? Yeah. So kind of sort of not really I my husband his background is uh private equity he worked Goldman Sachs his first the first half of his career was Goldman Sachs and then a couple other private equity firms and he this is what he did uh so he that helps (laughs) um yeah 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 this is his career so obviously in the I don't know what our listeners understand of those uh firms but like they have special areas of specialty so um, he was, he understood like food manufacturing really well. Well, um, so there were still some nuances that he kind of had to learn and research a little, little bit as far as like service industries go. And, um, I mean, there's no one on wall street, like buying and selling this wedding businesses anyway. So like there really isn't an, the expert to hire. So, um, he put together what he felt like was a fair, uh, valuation on, on that. And you know, we looked at, you know, I don't have any I didn't have any products or actual like tangible hard items to sell or, or move around. And that can typically go for eight to 12 X services usually go for three to four X or, you know, give or take around in there. And so we felt comfortable going that route three to four X. And when you you say three to four X, are we, are we three to four Xing annual revenue or annual profit? Yeah. Annual revenue. And then we um, also, depending on your timing, when you want to do it, and if you have a broker or someone interested, like I didn't really want to be patient. I, I could have gotten more if I just put it on the market and sat and been patient. But I woke up one day and knew it was the day. And I knew I had a buyer and I knew that if we did it self-finance in the way that we did, that I would get a very fair price. I would feel like I walked away from 10 years of hard work and got, you know, awesome value out of that. And I passed it on to um, a minority woman that just made me feel like, you know, I got to empower another woman and provide, you know, a business for her to continue growing and completely change and make it her own and do whatever she wants with it. And that felt good to me. So like the money, you can do it in different ways. You can sit around and wait, or maybe it is the time that like there happens to be a broker and a buyer right away and you can get more. But I got what I wanted out of it and felt, felt like we both came out ahead. Nice. So for some context for the audience, typically when it comes to buying and selling a business, there's a lot of factors 
we can look at, right? But at the end of the day, like the thing that we care most about is, well, how much is the business making and how much is the business profiting, right? Revenue is great, but if you don't have a lot of profit, that's something that we want to look at. Right. But also, like typically, you're going to look at things like the balance sheet and the statement of cash flows. And this is why it's really important to have very solid bookkeeping and accounting systems if you yeah. ever plan to sell your business. Because if we don't have any details on the numbers, then it's hard to come up with evaluation. So yeah, again, you're going to have to have a CPA involved in that, like, like auditing it and making sure that those numbers are legit. And that, you know, you pull out a lot of us are going to be putting personal expenses through there, like my personal insurance and my, you know, um, stuff like that. And so we have to be able to pull that out to look at the valuation yeah. appropriately and all of that. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So Again, just to kind of recap, when we're talking about valuation, three to four X revenue example here, if annual revenue of the company is $100,000, three X is 300,000, four X is 400,000. And I am not an expert in this area, but that is something I've heard and read other places, three to four times annual revenue. Because, you know, the understanding with that is, is the person who buys your company is going to run it for at least more than four years, right? So that's theoretically their break even mm -hmm. point. Oftentimes right. they're going to buy your business and hope to scale it and make more money than you are making in the business as well. Cause it's kind of the natural evolution of the way businesses grow anyhow. So, right. All right. Um, also, I wanted to clarify, you said that it was a self-finance deal. So all we mean by that is that there was no bank involved and the buyers right. just paying you on a monthly quarterly or annual basis for the sale. Of yeah. the company, right. Right. And, and I, I, don't must, I, I'm not here to like champion or encourage that. We've had a good situation. It's worked out really well, but that's because we had ultimate trust for years right. going into this. Like, and I was also like, I, I mean, I, I trust her so much. I could even say this because she'll hear it. Um, I knew that like, if she woke up one day and just stopped paying me, then like, I was either going to close up shop or sell it to her. Like that was it. And so I may as well get something out of it. So if she was going to write me three checks and then move on and say screw you then I I just had to be okay with that but um if you're going to self-finance you need to set up with structures and, and we do we have that in place like yeah. hey if you stop, if you don't make payments here's what happens and like um you got to have a right the right structure so you need to have people involved that know what they're doing yeah I mean CPA, it's like lawyers, it's like any other transaction right like you yeah. definitely want to have a really solid contract of course, as an attorney, like I would never encourage a self-finance situation, but no, also Amber, no. I would just tell people. It was very unique for us. Yeah. I would just tell people like, you have to understand what your worst case scenario is and then ask yourself, am I like, am I comfortable with this? Right. Yeah. They've okay, had a, so, a medical injury and then, well, I, was just, I just had, I had an injury and I was just, I, I just had to be done. It was, you know, gotcha. so it's very unique situation. Braden are on the same page. We're not encouraging that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Sell okay. it outright. So <laughs> let's talk about your new business because you now run Refine, right? So we'll get into kind of like how you purchase Refine and all that kind of stuff. But first, can you tell us like what what is Refine? What does it do? What does your business do? It's not a wedding plan. Yeah. So what's it all about? Yeah, and it's evolving. It's evolving right now. I actually just hired a, a coach to help me evolve it <laughs> because uh, it's got all these different arms and legs and life of its own, and we've got to figure out like where it's going. So essentially, Refine for Wedding Planners started as a online community for new, aspiring, and struggling wedding planners with um, retreats and templates, uh, and that was kind of it. Coaching 
and business coaching. And the Facebook group at this point has a little over 4,000 wedding planners in it. And it's super, super highly engaged. I mean, just constant conversation in there. So if you're a wedding planner, please join us. That's a free Facebook group. Um, I think it's the refined community for wedding planners, what it's called, if you search. And then um, I also have, it's, it's kind of grown from there. I have now a CRM with, um, you know, all of my planning documents and tools put into a, a planning program for wedding planners uh, to use with their clients. And then I also have a membership for wedding planners. So um, a paid extension of um, access to me, my coaching, um, additional topics, um, uh, you know, uh, templates and things like that. So, and I still sell the templates. My templates are, um, yeah, I'm really proud of my templates. <laughs> yeah, they're good. We have, uh, they're, um, we have some of your email templates that you provided to us inside of one of our programs. It's like a co basically like COVID cancellation response email templates. So yeah, yeah. Wordsmithing is my jam. So I do lots and lots of templates. I have tons of email templates. And then I have lots of like workflow and system templates and basically like business in a box stuff. Nice. So yeah. All right. So when did you when did the kind of process of purchasing refine begin? Yeah, so I purchased Refine in uh, 2018, I believe. I was, so the founder, Allison, had posted in the Facebook group that she was interested in selling it. And I didn't see the post. Someone else in the group screenshot it and texted me and said, you should do this. And I physically laughed. It, I remember I was sitting on the couch and watching TV and I got the text. It was like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I was like, <laughs> and then two seconds later, I was like, wait, I should. It was just like, a, I just knew. And so I, Allison had, um, I had been in the group from more or less the beginning. I'm one of the original Facebook group members anyway. And uh, she started it in 2013, started and then started the Facebook group in 2015. And that's when I got involved in the group in 2015. So I kind of grew up in the group. She had coached me. I was a product of Refine. I had seen that, you know, all the stuff, her course, um, I still offer a course, uh, just changed everything about my business, everything. It gave me my life back. And I, I think it's so hokey, like things are life-changing, but like it legit changed our lives. And so it's really um, a special community for me. And it made sense to, and having grown up with it and knowing the, the members, it just, it, it was a, an easy transition for us. So obviously we don't have Allison here, but I'm curious if you know, what was her motivation for wanting to move on? Like, did she retire? Did yeah. she go into a new industry or? She did. Uh, she had been doing weddings for 10 years herself on top of education for a few years and was in a market where she was doing celebrity weddings, really high end, super luxury, like the people you're watching on TV right now, weddings. And I think that she loved it, but she has uh, four kids, three kids, four kids, three kids, three kids, three or and four kids. Yeah. they were growing up. I know once you cross two to me, it's like a whole gaggle. <laughs> so I think just three. Um, that's really embarrassing. I didn't know that because I, I, I look at her pretty all the time. Okay. So she, I think her kids were growing up and she was interested in a different angle of hospitality and went into culinary school and wanted to open up a cafe or something like that but she has ended up being a nutrition and fitness coach with her culinary uh she she honed in on nutrition so 
she's still coaching, uh, but in a different way and still motivating and inspiring people. So it was just, I think time, you know, she just had a different itch. Okay. So she like completely pivoted a whole different industry. That's super interesting. Totally different. Uh-huh. All right. So you got the screenshot of the post and then what happened? Did you send Allison an email, a message? You're like, Hey, yeah. I'm interested. Let's start talking about this. I did. I slept on it. And then I emailed her the next day and I said, all right, I want to talk. And so it just kind of went from, we, it just made, she was really excited to hear from me. And she, she said, you know, I actually was hoping I would. And so, uh, it just, the doors was kind of, we just walked through the doors as they opened and it all just kept staying easy. So, uh, it worked out. We did, you know, reviewed the numbers. She had everything so impeccably organized and her agreement, her, she, her ask to me was, Hey, I'm going to hand you everything. So you have the outline and the template, but I want you to redo it all. Take my name, like obviously take her name off everything. She's like, you need to redo the course. You need to, all the templates need to be updated and revised by you. Um, I want this to be, you know, where it's like completely refreshed and, and all we can say it's yours. And so I did that. I, I bought it and then I spent three or four months just combing over everything and updating it and making sure that I didn't sell anything that was her original work. And, but she did allow me to like use mine as the foundation, but like make sure it evolves every year. And so that's what I do. Okay. So Amber, when it came to kind of the valuation of the business, was it, uh, and you don't have to share the exact number, but was it like a formal valuation process or did Allison just say like, Hey, I really want you to run the company. Like here's a number I feel comfortable with. It was the latter. She had a number in mind and to me it was too low. Like I I didn't feel like she was even going to get what she deserved out of it. Um, because in looking at her sales number, it was like, we're not talking three and four X. We're talking like negatives here. And I was like, <laughs> so I even like set it up to, I even offered her more because I knew that she had multiple people asking. And I said, Allison, I'm happy to set it up in this way where over time and, you know, commissions and whatever. And well, she's like, no, I just, she's like, I love you. I know where you'll take it. I'm excited about this. I'm super ready to do what, you know, I want to do in my transition and mom wife. And like, it's just, it was kind of a ministry gift for her, if that makes sense. And so yeah. she was just as excited about doing that for me as I was with Heavenly Day for Kathy. And so um, it just, I wrote her a check and that was that. <laughs> yeah. And I can, I can imagine like for context for everyone, right? Like a lot of us build businesses to build wealth, right? Like we, and when I say wealth, I just mean, we want to build a business that can finance our lifestyle, that can fund our retirement, yeah. a business that we can enjoy. Other times we build a business because we're just really passionate about serving a particular community. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that Allison really enjoyed her community and she wanted to make sure that it was well taken care of. And she thought you were yes. the right person for the job. That was her ultimate goal. And she had done so well year over year. Uh, she wanted to have a number she felt good with on an exit that also meant having the right person involved with the exact timing. She was like, she, same thing. She woke up one day and was ready and she could have absolutely gotten more, but sometimes that's not the point or worth it. And it doesn't counteract what Allison or I have ever taught on like, make your money, make your money. Like, trust me, Allison got a Allison fills the value and felt it felt it was all fair. Right. And yeah. so, um, 
Yeah. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about the assets of this business. So I thought it was really interesting that you said Allison wanted you to recreate everything. So typically when it comes to a business valuation, we look at, well, what does the business own? What's their intellectual property? What assets do they have? So the course that she'd already created, that's an asset, definitely has a value. All of the goodwill the business has, which goodwill is kind of hard to define like on a podcast, but goodwill is just kind of... Goodwill is just kind of the um, recognition that you have in the name. Like goodwill can also be, you know, how well you are thought of by your community. So these are a few things to consider. And it's interesting that she asked you to recreate all the content. Did she do that more so because she just said, you know, I want this business to be your baby now. Therefore, I want all the work product to be yours or did she like not really want her intellectual property out there anymore? Well, she, the intellectual property is still out there in a sense that it's, you know, completely outlined in, in her foundation. But I think more than anything, we didn't really get too, too far into that. Uh, I think more than anything, she wanted it to be mine. And she wanted, she knew that the audience would respect me more for that if they knew I didn't just come in and like just sell someone else's stuff and like pretend I know what I'm doing. So I, and I think too, because I was a product of refine, I had already tweaked it a lot to be my own. And she knew that. And so she wanted that for the community. And because this industry evolved so much over time and like, I mean, not really even over time. I mean, like in a six month period, that was also part of it. It's just the value of, you know, content from 2015 is not relevant today. It has to be overhauled on a pretty regular basis. Okay. I would just like to note for everyone, because, you know, I run a very, like a very lax uh, ship over here. Uh, Amber, Amber's computer was about to die. So the whole time she was talking about that, I got a tour of her house. (laughs) She was walking through the living room, up the stairs into where I presume now is like your office or something. So very, very impressive. Yeah. So if I was out of breath for a hot second during that, (laughs) <laughs> I got the, the, the information out, but I was running upstairs. So yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> podcasting <starting> <laughs> we're podcasting on the move. I love it. All right. So you get started, you get started with the business. How is Refine different now from when you bought it? As far as uh, you are still serving the same people, I would imagine, but you have different offerings. Like how has it evolved? Yeah. So Allison's niche really was around new aspiring planners and there were definitely seasoned pros in there but more if they're seasoned they were more so like hey i'm kind of burning out need some motivation kind of you know stage at this point so many of us have grown up in refine and have been there for so long that like a ton of us are master planners at this point and we're still daily getting brand new planners in the community so it's a huge hodgepodge now and it evolved into needing a space for these seasoned planners because they didn't want to you know leave the community but what was what was the community for them anymore you know everyone's asking basic questions and whatnot and so that's why we uh, evolved into having a membership the membership really is geared more towards a more in-depth style conversation and that can be for a new planner or a seasoned planner but it's just way deeper and it's not near as cluttered as you know a public facebook group that has four thousand members in it because that's just constant chit chat so the collective really narrows that down and then our the retreats are entirely different so 
Allison used to do one or two day workshops and for a couple hundred bucks and now we're into my next retreat is in Mexico for four days and it's you know between three and four thousand dollars per attendee depending on when is that I want to go to Mexico where is it in Mexico it's in January and it's at Unico and it's in like the Riviera area so on the Caribbean side near Cancun so Nice. I'm really excited about that because we're going to work hard and we're going to play hard. And, and what I have found in my few years of doing retreats is that as those have evolved, the social learning is actually where it's at. Yeah. So we go to all these workshops and conferences and we sit in sessions and we listen and take notes and all that stuff. But it's really when we do stuff like one thing we're going to do in January is school by the pool. And I, we're going to have some topics and we're going to sit with our margaritas, whoever wants one or your mocktail and you know, get in the pool, don't get in the pool. I don't care, but we're social learning where we're going to talk and we're going to hang out. We're going to brainstorm. And that's where so much of this stuff comes to life. I've been a part of some really high end entrepreneur uh, program coaching groups, and this is what they do. And this is where people just take off. So I'm very excited about that and the evolution of these retreats growing more into the community-based aspect of that's what can grow your business. Certainly that, that, information, but this is why. So the biggest investment I've made in my business up to date was I did do, I did a year long, $10,000 mastermind. This is something I've talked about on previous podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I'm like, what did I get out of 10,000? Like, I feel like there weren't a lot of like tangible takeaways, if that makes sense. But the friends that I yeah. met in that mastermind, we still, we have a boxer thread two and a half years later. We do a two hour call every month. Yep. Like these are the people that I go to when I have business questions and you can't really, mm-hmm. like, you can't really put a number on that. Especially the thing that you have to think about is, especially once you grow your business and grow your audience. And this is kind of a side tangent. We'll circle back in a minute. But once you get to the point where you have a consistent client base, you're making thousand dollar decisions on a daily basis, right? Do I take this client? Do I say no to this client? Do I market to this new niche? Like, do I go into this new area? Like each one of these decisions can mean tens of thousands of dollars in your business. And once you have a circle of a handful of people that you can trust to give you guidance, I mean, it's a lot more valuable, valuable. than $10,000 you put in. It is. And, you know, that's been hit or miss with the retreats I've done. I've done a handful now and it kind of opened the doors and whoever buys a ticket buys a ticket. But, and, and some of those groups are like you just described. And then there's one of them that just hasn't really kept in touch. And so I will say, or not as a whole group, there's a pocket of it that has, but I, for this upcoming retreat, because the price point just, we jumped it up and we're doing something totally different. We, I had an application process and I vetted everybody and made sure that we're all on the same page and like can be that kind of group for each other. Like for certain. Nice. Okay. So so important. I want to circle back to our trademark conversations. This is something that we wanted to die. Originally, this is going to be the bulk of the podcast episode, but now it's going to be about five minutes, five to, ten, five to 10 minutes of the podcast episode, which I think it would be great because we've covered a lot of really, really interesting information. So I'm assuming when you bought Refine, it was not trademarked, correct? No. And I knew that. And that was a, not a, con- I wouldn't call it a concern. It was something I was aware of and knew that needed to get locked in pretty quickly. Uh, so that was on my radar immediately. And why? No, it wasn't. 
yeah, why was it so important for you to get the business name trademarked? Because of the numbers and where it was headed and the trajectory. And I knew um, Refine's on a path that like, we've already hit a goal that I never, I, I just couldn't have fathomed. And so now I have my eyes set on goals that like really blow my mind, but I actually believe will hit. And so without a trademark, that's foolish. It's, it's absolutely foolish to think about numbers like that without a trademark. And on top of that, pretty quickly into it, I started to notice uh, some other educators using the same term um, in our industry. And, you know, I have right first, uh, first in use. And so it was just important for me to protect, protect that. And my lawyer made it very clear to me that, hey, if you don't, protect it with this person then later when you do want to protect it with someone else you don't have a history of protecting your business and your argument in court is so much weaker you have yeah. to protect you have to protect it each time so this is why, this is why i tell people like i tell i've shared on my podcast i've gotten cease and desist letters before like it's never fun to get those letters i've sent them i've gotten them it, it's not fun but at the end of the day like what i tell people is it's not personal right if one of your good friends uses a name that you've already been using in business and they're doing it unintentionally, it's still your obligation to, to tell them, Hey, you have to stop doing that. Not because like, I'm trying to be a dick, but it's because if I need to enforce this on someone else later, they're going to look at how diligent yes. I've been in the past. And that's why this yeah. is so important. For sure. That's the word he used. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm obligated. It is a responsibility of mine to do that. Like it or not friend or not. Like I legally have to do that or when it is an issue, like I, I'm, I'm really up the creek. And so yeah. I, I don't, I didn't have a leg to stand. I could send people a like informal, like, please stop. But I had no legal cease and desist behind me until I had the trademark in my hand. So it's been a lot of arguing versus legal. I can actually tell you, you have to stop now. Okay. So when did you file the trademark? Um, I think I filed it. I think I filed it early 2019 because originally part of why I wasn't necessarily concerned about the name, the, the trademark is because I kind of thought I'd change the name. But then as I got into it and real, like I knew Refine was awesome and valuable, but as I got into it, I really realized like I had this awakening of like, oh shit, this thing is like, I have, I had, I had no idea how valuable this was until I like really got into it. And I was like, I can't change the name. That would also be foolish. And so I had a few outside people in the industry also tell me that like no this thing is I don't think you realize what kind of like sleeping giant you have just yeah. stay the course and so I was like okay I'll trademark it okay well Brayden have you ever tried to trademark a word like refine because <laughs> like the whole world wants it and I'm sorry but oil and gas has a lot more money than I do and obviously they're not in events and that's part of the trademark thing we can get into that like there's a different category right but you know, that like they were dancing on all those categories. Like they're, they're smart. They're like, let's cover it all. Yeah. So, let's apply. Like they're applying for high. everything. So when did your trademark finally get approved? I know it was recently. Uh, like a month ago. A month ago. So, and so that's you, the whole process. So it was about a yeah, two and ahead. a half, about a two and a half year long process then. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be that long. I, Part of why it was so long is because it was confusing and it was layered and complex with my particular name. And because there were already some people out there that had applied for it, but they did not have first in use. So then I had to go up against that and, you know, yeah. argue like, no, you can't have the trademark. 
Um, so basically when someone applies for it, basically there's a waiting period where people are allowed to say, hey, no, no, that's my name. It. Yeah. And they can contest it. And then um, at one point I ended up, I, I was in the period of like people could contest me and it lapsed. I'd gotten really, my thyroid failed and I got so sick and I just couldn't keep up. I just, I had, some things just had to fall through the cracks and that one fell through the cracks. And that was, I was really upset about that, but I also just, I don't know. So I, anyway, I, the first attorney I had ended up not being as equipped for it once we got into it and saw how complex it would be. So we did a little switch and then same thing, it got a little bit more complex and that same attorney was like, there's someone in my office better equipped for this. And so kind of got moved around and it just took a while and took a lot of yeah. money. It was very expensive, uh, but I think in the end, it's going to be really, really, really worth it because if some, at the, at the numbers now, if someone were to come in over it, I would really, I would get really hosed. Yeah, this is why, so I just had this, I have this conversation in Facebook, in a Facebook group, I swear to you, like once a week, people always say, I'm just going to file my own, can I just file my own trademark? And then inevitably there are tons of people who chime in and they're like, yeah, you can, I did mine. It was super easy. Like you don't need to hire an attorney. It's a waste of money. Like they're blowing smoke, all this kind of stuff, which is problematic for a number of reasons. But I will say in those people's defense to contrast with your experience, my application for unfuck your biz went all the way through in about seven to eight months, which is yeah. almost record timing. Yeah. Like right now, um, the USPTO is very backlogged. So if anyone files a trademark right now, you're probably not going to get to step number one for about a year. That's just kind of what the timeline looks like. But the thing is, is I had a really good trademark attorney do my application. So part of the reason why I went through so fast is because yes. I didn't really have anyone contesting unfuck your biz. The second reason was that the application was done correctly. So right. where people can mess up is if you do your application yourself, there's two considerations, right? So either you met, like either you do it right, which is great. It goes through. Awesome. If you mess it up, you're going to end up having to pay an attorney to fix it. Or you, you could, do the, right. Or you could do the application correctly, but it could be a situation like yours, Amber, where a really wise attorney, they're going to tell you like, I will take this application, but I'm going to let you know, it's going to be $1,500 to file it. And inevitably, this is going to be a very difficult application to get through. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a yeah. battle. And you're going to have to pay me more once we get there. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that. So if you're filing it yourself and you think that you're just going to sail through, most of the time that doesn't happen. And then if you hire an attorney after that, not only do they have to fight for you, but they have to go back and fix all the mistakes you made, which is even more expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably eight to 10 grand in online. So like, it's not like I spent 30 grand, like that's a lot of effing money when a trademark could easily be 1500 bucks. Right. But it was just, it was just really layered and complex. And, you know, there's lots of businesses that, like you said, are not going to be that layered and complex, but I knew it would be with that name. And uh -huh. so I, I knew to start with an attorney, but even that first attorney didn't realize how complex it would be. So um, just kind of happens sometimes, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it what was, right fit, but yeah. What was that conversation like with your first attorney? Like, did they, did they tell you, yeah, I'll take it. It might be a little bit complicated, but ultimately it shouldn't be a problem. Or did they give you a more yeah, well, response? Her thing was like, Hey, I'm going to take it. This is what I'm, I'm seeing right now. There's potential when they review it because of this name, if it starts to get 
that there can be some complications. And then it's going to look like she did what you said. She mapped out what that process could be and what I could be looking at money-wise. And she told me if it gets to that point, I'm not going to be the best person for you. It could be as simple yeah. as what we have filed and we're going to wait a year and it is what it is. But then once we got more information, she realized and she was, you know, so um, I knew that going into it. So it's not, I didn't spend any extra money because I had hired that. That wasn't a waste of money. I just had to, I was going to have to pay someone else for the next step. Anyway, she just realized there's probably someone else that's going to be more experienced in that kind of complexity that, you know, we're not going to wait. If you do that, you won't waste money. So and do you know what class, yeah. what class you filed your trademark under? Like I'm assuming there's not like a wedding professional class, probably just like a general services educate, class. It was educate. Oh, I see. Um, it was um, under like educate. I don't know. The certificate sounds scary. Okay. It's probably, yeah. frame it and put it up. It was, it's like under like education and. Um, you probably did you class can, 41, which is I the did same several. I have my trademark under. I'm Googling it right now. Sure. <laughs> so when you ran into issues who was yeah education and entertainment services class 41 um who like who are you having issues with were they other wedding professionals professionals other sorry wedding professionals um, just was, service providers yeah. or as far as like contesting goes yeah there were yeah there were other educators um there was one that uh she and it wasn't wedding related but she was an educator and serving women and i primarily serve women I mean I know that you know pronouns and uh, you know take that out of it like primarily that's the bulk and so we were kind of up against and if she was doing like business coaching different but same so we kind of had to go up against that a little bit together but I had first in use and came out ahead so um and there's ways you can tweak the actual words and terms that help you go, get it going through but yeah so okay awesome um Sorry, I have a meeting with my mom after this. So we're just texting now. She does not remember my Zoom link for the life of her. So I have to text it to her again. Okay. <laughs> again, we just like roll, we roll with the punches here on the, on the. That's what I do with your fine. We are a come as you are audience. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So I want to start to wrap up here. Don't want to keep mom waiting too long. Uh, wedding MBA is coming up. Conference confidence is happening. Do you want to plug that yes. a little bit before you go? Yeah, sure. I'm so grateful to have you on as a sponsor too. So Renee Dallow, uh, if you're obviously familiar with Brayden and I, you're probably familiar with Renee as well. And if you're not, get to know her. She's awesome. So Renee Dallow and I are baby refiners that grew up together and have gone to tons of conferences together and saw a hole in the market on, hey, people are going to conferences and then walking away with a notebook full of notes that they never look at again because either didn't know how to take notes properly in the first place, didn't know how to allocate time to get it done. All of that, so much I could say there. We have decided to create what we call conference confidence so that, and we're introducing that at Wedding NBA this year. It's an extended day. So the day um, Thursday, we're gonna be doing um, an implementation workshop. Prior to NBA, we're gonna be teaching our students, uh, the ticket buyers, how to take notes, how to plan, how to be strategic. We're gonna be providing access to ourselves throughout the week of Wedding NBA to kind of um, mentor and guide people while they're there. VIP experiences and invites with us. And then, yeah, on that Thursday, we're going to walk through what we've learned that week in a pretty unique way. And our hope is to take that to other conferences throughout the wedding industry and just help people really 
utilize the invest, like really maximize the investment that they're making in conferences because otherwise, yeah, it just is a dusty notebook and not much of it gets done. And that's really unfair to ourselves as business owners to do that. And we have a room block, which offsets the cost. Of, it's such a discount on the room that like it basically pays for the, if you're going to be there for the week anyway, it's basically paying for the conference competent ticket. And then we've got a Monday night mixer. This will be our fourth annual Monday night mixer. Welcome to Vegas mixer. And Braden will be there. We'll all be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there, there at can... the mixer. I'll be in the hotel block. So we can all hang out yes. if anyone goes, especially if you're a conference competence attendee. Um, yeah. I'm, my mom is, my mom is coming and my friend is coming and I have two VAs that are all coming to help me work my booth. Yeah. yeah. Really Everyone's invited all categories. So I, ser- I primarily serve wedding planners, but there's, we didn't even touch on this. There's a lot of evolution with Revi- Refine that's serving vendors as a whole, wedding pros as a whole. Every category is invited to the conference confident, the mixer, all of it. So yeah, nice. we're excited. Okay, beautiful. So obviously wedding MBA specific to wedding professionals. I have a lot of non-wedding professionals who do listen to the podcast. I'm sure yes. the rest of this information was fantastically useful for everyone, regardless of industry. Mm-hmm. But if any wedding pros um, want to come into your universe um, to check out Refine, all of the stuff, where should they get in touch with you? Instagram, Facebook think, group? Yeah, hop in over to Instagram, Refine for Wedding Planners, or the Conference Confident Instagram are the best ways because then there's the link trees that can get you to all the different <laughs> avenues and pathways. And anyone in a different industry that has conferences that you find that you're seeing the same hold, Renee and I are you know, exploring taking this to other markets and other industries and working with experts in those markets. So feel free to reach out if you have, if that sparked an idea for you, we're, we'd love to talk. Okay. I love that. We should, we should chat because one of my goals for 2021 is to speak at a lot more conferences, but also to start attending other industry conferences. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, we can't be the only ones taking notes and then coming home to busy lives. Right. Like I know, right. It has to be across industry. Like, it's kind yeah, of, it's so. kind of like one of the things I always tell people is when it comes to new year's resolutions, like we all write 10 resolutions down and we expect that we're just going to like wake up the next day and essentially become an entirely different person. And I think we get that like same burst of energy when we go to conferences, but it's like, all right, let's not set 15 yeah. goals and eight, like 8 million tasks. Let's synthesize streamline and focus on what's going to move the needle forward. Yeah. There's a way to do it there. It, it can be done. And it's, it's not it's not as overwhelming or time consuming as people think. There's just, a, there's a strategy we're going to teach. Nice. Beautiful. Well, I can't wait to learn it. Cause I'm going to be tagging along all week. Um, this was super fun. Amber, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.